the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 441. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today our guest is Andrew Nimick. Welcome along, Andrew. Thank you, Paul. Glad to be here. Now, this is your uh, your first time on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. It is. It is. Uh, so we, sh- we, should, uh, we should start uh, by learning a little bit about who you are. How do you fit into this big, wide world of uh, technology in, in New Zealand? I think uh, when we first met earlier on in the year, you were with um, you were working with NZME, yep. um, but you've worked in the broader tech world for, for, uh, for a, a fair time, I think it's fair to say. Well, I've been... Um, so we moved to New Zealand probably about 15 years ago um, and I've worked in the tech space since then specifically I was a little bit involved in it in, in the UK before but it was a, it was a, a change of career let's put it that way and yeah. I haven't looked back once um, it's a it's an industry that I do love um, solving problems excellent excellent so, um, yeah most of that time's been focused around working with software delivery teams um, I was lucky enough that I figured out I wasn't a good developer what I was good at was looking after developers. <laughs> so yes, I kind of ended up going down that route a lot more. That's nice. It's, I mean, it's, I think it's really important to find find your niche and, yeah. and find your uh, your your place where uh, where where things uh, work well for you and where where it works in well with those you're uh, you're working you're working with. Yep. Um, and you know, I guess. Uh, this world, the world of, of uh, technology, the world of development keeps changing, right? So, yeah, must must have been an interesting career uh, so so far in terms of the variety of things you've been involved in. Oh, it's it's uh, never stop learning is is the key. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, it, it uh, keeps. Um, I read a thing once that, that playing chess keeps Alzheimer's at bay. Um, yeah, I think working in this business probably does the same thing. It's yeah, just when you think you've got it sorted and you've you've worked it out, yeah, no, it changes it changes the rules on you again. Um, so yeah, it's that, that open mindset. Excellent, excellent. Oh well, um, yeah. I hope, I hope I hope that's the yeah, the case for me. Sometimes my memory struggles a little bit, but uh, it, it, that that's uh, that's nothing to do with uh, with growing old. Though it just seems to always have 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 uh, have been a problem from time to time for me to remember all the millions of things going on. <laughs> um, although one thing I've got to say is I used to be able to remember phone numbers and loads and loads of them but yeah. the, the, those those brain muscles don't haven't operated for a long time since we've could, had could, phones that store all those things uh, yeah because i actually can't even remember my wife's mobile number <laughs> <laughs> which is a terrible admission because it's you know you it, don't see the number you, you don't see the you, name you don't have a need to dialing. anymore do you, you don't need to it's, yeah. it's just there which yeah. you know um and theory if you think about it if 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 you needed to remember it, you probably can't call it anyway because the network's down. <laughs> so it's a bit pointless yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, now, lots to, lots to chat about this week. Um, Google and um, the local government in, in Baltimore. It's quite, quite interesting hearing about uh, Baltimore City uh, government uh, recovering from a ransomware attack that left them uh, um, with their, their systems basically locked out and, uh, and not operational. So uh, they decided to try and work around it by opening up a, a whole bunch of uh, Gmail accounts, <laughs> and Google noticed that hold on, we're getting a whole a whole lot of all these new accounts coming in from one location. This can't be legitimate. Some, yeah. Somebody's, uh, you know, from maybe from one IP address or from you know one one uh, one location is trying to generate all these accounts. That must be dodgy. So, uh, well, I also uh, wonder so, what so the name they, they convention they were using right. was as well. Was yeah. it you know sort of um, support? at uh, Baltimore at Gmail or support Baltimore at Gmail or yeah. something like this which would have raised an alarm bell as well um, well I, yeah, I think I always find it fascinating you know, learning about how different organisations have maybe been hit or compromised in some way those cyber security stories are are interesting 
they're always they're also worrying. And you know, when a large organisation get gets hit, you 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 do wonder. Uh, and you know, sometimes we hear a bit more a bit more online. And you know, there are, there's some pretty good uh, podcasts out there from a cybersecurity perspective. There's um, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch actually. And I guess it, you know, it's nice you can come you know pick one that that suits uh, whether you enjoy one that's more storytelling or one that's kind of the latest yeah. uh, you know the cybersecurity news of the week or what have you uh there, there's some yeah really is great great content from uh, from that perspective to drill into um but yeah l- learning how an organization has been compromised and and why fascinates me and when you get big organizations that that get hit um yeah you wonder what was you know what did they miss out on doing what uh what what was the the attack vector in which uh, in which they got hit? And of I, course, I, I suspect this one will come down to to you know um, a little bit of social engineering mm-hmm. um, and getting getting the material, the payload dumped inside the the network. I think that's that's one of the things that I find is that we still have this erroneous assumption in some organisations that if it's inside your network, it's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's just blatantly not true anymore at all. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. The 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 reality is with uh, so many cloud based systems and so many different ways. And uh, look, yeah, organizations are just going to keep getting hit in one form. Or another, there's lots of things you can do to lower that risk, but yeah, nobody should assume that they won't be uh, they won't be hit. But I wonder if Baltimore could have avoided um, the issue if someone had just contacted Google and said, "Can you help?" <laughs> you know, yeah, and, yeah. and they might have gone, "Hey, yeah, no problem, we can spin you up." And can we talk about maybe <laughs> moving you to Google afterwards? Yeah, um, yeah, you know, would have been that would have been quite interesting to see, but um, yeah. Yeah, it would be, be fascinating to know what their what their systems were, uh, you know, b- before before and after. And it, yeah, it talked about that. Yeah, people were signing up basically for free Gmail accounts, so it yep. wasn't like that they were you know signing up for a, for a, for a new domain. Um, one I came across recently, and I'm I'm not sure exactly how they how they were hit, but it was a legal firm in in New Zealand, and um, they. They were hit, and it was impacting their email to the degree at which some of their some of the staff of this legal firm were using their personal email accounts for company business, which doesn't yeah. look particularly professional, uh, especially you're dealing with a legal firm, and you kind of expect your data to be well, kept, yeah. you know, reasonably you know com- confidential and then good, safe, secure. Certainly, uh, as a uh, governance, uh, you would expect. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, I had a chat with them, and uh, um, you know, they, they, oh, no, we're working through this. Yeah, we're working through this. We, you know, we get, we're going to get there. Um, and I looked up their domain name. I'm not going to say who it is, but I looked up their domain name and. The level to which they cared about the, their their intellectual property, their brand property, was that they hadn't committed to spending the extra whatever it is, depending on where you buy your domain name, say fifty dollars a year, mm-hmm. yeah, five five dollars a month, a coffee a month, mm-hmm. to buy the .nz version of their domain name. So they had their .co.nz, but their name wasn't important enough to get the shorter .nz version so yeah somebody else could easily just be impersonating them by legitimately going in and or reasonably legitimately going and buying that name and uh and and starting to impersonate them yeah i, I think there's a there's a there's a bit of a trade-off there because there are so many variations of uh of you know a domain and it's how far do you go and true, if you're a small business true. but you would think a law firm you would think you'd would, if would the dot com have if the dot com was available the dot co dot nz and the dot nz you'd, yeah. you'd probably grab those three yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right it, it, it is a balance and some organisations will have yeah dozens and dozens of variations to to protect themselves and certainly uh, makes makes it a little bit harder for people to uh, to go out and do those sort of impersonation type type situations but you can you can never entirely stop it I saw one today. Uh, that that somebody showed me, I think 
there was an AOL.com uh email address or, or something down that track it was uh, it was very unusual well, there's uh, still a few around i mean it's, yeah um, yeah there's, there's, there's still it, still a current um two years, email provider i think it was two years ago i saw numbers on how many people still have aol accounts um because there are still large parts of of america that actually have dial-up well i would compare that to having that. Uh, well our, our new zealand equivalent would be having an extra uh, email, email, email address. In, in my opinion, I, I don't see much or a huge reason why. I, why I still see would, plumbers vans. I don't know why it, it seems to be plumbers. Yeah. Plumbers vans with extra, that their you know their contact details is is a personal address at extra dot yeah. dot nz or yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember when we first came here, I was a little bit shocked at, at seeing that because it's it's. You know, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna go down that route, you should at least get a domain name that reflects your your organisation. Probably not too hard for uh, for most to do, certainly no. these days. But uh, but coming back yeah. to that that case you just gave, is you do wonder who was giving them advice on such things as mm. you know securing their domain name and their presence and. Um, those aspects well in this case into the technology world i i spoke to the uh i spoke to i think it was the general manager seemed to be the 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 top dog and the the comment was i uh it's it's maybe a little bit dangerous but i i used to do a little bit of it stuff he said and i thought oh yes just enough information (laughs) to be dangerous and (laughs) stupid based on what your what your knowledge uh may maybe was 20 years ago when you uh, when you delved in something to do with it very very helpful yeah to your firm no not not good not good uh never mind um, now we had, and I don't think I don't know we dis- discussed this uh, last week, but we we heard that uh, Sony are teaming up with Microsoft for game uh, for the for the, really the, the sort of next stage of uh, of of gaming. Uh, so there's this uh, partnership that's been established between. Uh, Microsoft and Sony. Apparently, Sony was uh, well. They've been with Amazon in terms of providing cloud services uh, uh, to them, and they just weren't able to get the right uh, outcome working with uh, with with Amazon on the the next stage of their their business in terms of game streaming and so on. And so they decided to sit down with Microsoft, and uh, they they seem to have uh, landed on an arrangement there. Um, so there's there seems to be a whole lot of activity going on on this sort of next phase of uh, of gaming, really, as we as we move to a world where we have good enough internet connectivity and good enough cloud type systems to be able to uh, stream games more and more uh, from from the cloud mm-hmm. uh, you know of course there, there, there's been uh, uh, steam around for some time and uh, yeah, varying maneuvers in the space but uh, it does seem to be moving quite quickly and Microsoft have um, have said that as they, they build out these servers for their system X cloud uh, that they believe they already have the technical capability uh, to stream more than three and a half thousand games uh, I guess we're talking Xbox games here without the developers needing to make changes to the titles. So uh, uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool. That is. That's um, yeah. I would I'd, yeah. Be interesting to see what the is that is that Xbox games. So they've been written for Xbox, or is that including you know games written for the the PlayStation? Mm, um, mm. So it'd be interesting. Yeah, but yeah. I actually. Um, I actually wondered if there's a little bit more, there's a little bit deeper um, integration going on when you consider the troubles that Sony had in terms of being hacked. Oh, that's and true. They have breaches their, their, and everything their, else. Their own challenges little, from a cybersecurity perspective, yeah, didn't they? Is, is yeah. a little bit of this conversation actually um, leveraging some of the the Microsoft skill sets and security aspects and everything else to help mm. them help them you know uh, help them get around that. When you think about Microsoft's offerings in terms of three six five and everything else, yeah, you know they've got huge security teams. So that that was something that occurred to me was yes. that a, was that a way of leveraging leveraging Microsoft skills in that area, mm. one which Sony 
seem to have not got right. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's true. Uh, and, and you know, of course, we understand that uh, Nintendo and, uh, and, and Microsoft have some, um, some things going on as well. So, yeah, Microsoft are... Uh, Making making some good uh, good progress against their competition, certainly in the, but it is in the gaming space, right? But well, there's twofold there because they're making they're making moves against their competition, Sony and Xbox. I mean, you know, I've got a T-shirt at home that's <laughs> <laughs> Sony versus Xbox. I think I inherited it from one of my kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, but also it's it's um, you know, Microsoft effectively are lining up to take on Steam. Um, as we said earlier, you know mm, Google's mm. Stu- uh, Stadia um, network is yes. coming in, and then, um, but it's also you know Microsoft taking on AWS, yeah, effectively. So it's 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 they're making frenemies and taking on their enemies. And, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, this whole co-opetition uh, type type thing seem seems to be you know, very much normalised within within the tech world, doesn't it? In yeah. terms of yeah, you, know, you look there's varying parts of Microsoft that'll work with Google, and then you know at other times there's you know daggers out and you know similar Microsoft and Apple and Apple and. Google and, and and varying things and Amazon and and the mix so and and that's a reflection of just how big these businesses are right yeah. they're absolutely massive yeah. and if you break them down to their their different teams often you know one one team might not you know be competing with an, a you know a different type of team that could be a supplier or a partner to them. Um, within a, a company that, in a in, in another sense, is very much a uh, competition. I think it's a leverage mindset as well that's taken root in in some parts of these businesses. Um, it's, as you know, it's don't try to compete head on; leverage each other. Mm, um, mm. You know, so who who produces a better outcome? And actually, when you're talking about their scales, sometimes you know. Well, actually, we're, we're investing very little for what we get out by mm. actually working with the um, with the opposition. Mm. Um, you know, and if you know, if I look at at New Zealand business, I think often our businesses here haven't been very good with with partnering, but. I think it becomes more more and more important. You know, smaller businesses can be at a huge dis- disadvantage when they you know lack varying bits of expertise and skills yep. so very very important that uh, our Kiwi businesses do learn how to how to how to partner in ver- varying ways whether it's with uh, competitors or or organizations that might look a little bit like competitors but but maybe aren't when you dig a, a little bit deeper or you know even I, w- I would think the um, the bigger players we have you know whether it's supermarket chains sort of working out well how could we have some sort of maybe uh, technology crossover with with local competitors so if an international competitor comes into the market that actually you know, we, we've we've leveraged each other's strengths and worked together to do a bit better. Um, yeah, publishers. There's, I guess, there's you know all manner of uh, firms that are at risk from the big overseas players sort of coming in and 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 wiping them out. And I think we have to get creative about working out how we how we make sure we stay competitive as a country and 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 particularly uh, our our local uh, entities. I think as as um I think New Zealanders are very good at sharing information. Uh, we're just not so great at actually um, taking action on that sharing, possibly. Mm, mm. So, you know, I mean, I heard it recently from a, um, an, an international vendor who'd been doing events in Australia and then come over here and was actually quite surprised at the level of openness and sharing. Um, you know, and I think it's, yeah, we're not, we're not necessarily discussing things of sensitivity. We're just these are the same issues that we all face. Mm. So let's let's you know let's let's help each other overcome them. Yep. There is a I think there is a there is a you know we talk about it and I, it can sometimes be a bit glib, but the whole um, NZ Inc. Um, but I actually think a lot of Kiwis and I remember I'm an immigrant. I moved here. I love this country though. You know I think there's a lot of Kiwis that actually do get behind that. We're a small place. If we pull together. You know, and act like a, you know a, the analogy. I think it was um, Paul Callahan. Um, you know the, the the whole concept of we're we're one mega city. 
Mm-hmm. Not even a big mega city at that point, you know. <laughs> um, but if we got into that mindset of actually working together in that con- in that way, mm. you know, we could move mountains um, quite literally. And I think that's true. We're good at solving problems. New Zealanders are good at solving problems in creative ways. In, in creative ways, ways yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now there was a story that we we talked about, and I'm not sure how far back it was, but it was it was to do with. Uh, in the in the US, um, a company uh, getting a contract to scan license plates, oh. and this, uh, this this you know te- technology, and I, I can't remember the exact details of, of what it, what it was we just discussed uh, around it uh, last time. Um, but there was certainly some, you know, some some concerns over, over you know, privacy of data. You know, what happens if a if an entity like this gets hacked? Well, um, <laughs> they got hacked. Yeah, they they got hacked. So the the headline that I saw in uh, the register as a maker of U.S. Uh, borders license plate scanning uh, tech was uh, ransacked by hacker uh, blueprints and files uh, dumped dumped online. Basically, so uh, this was a company, uh, Perceptics uh, in Tennessee. Uh, they, uh, I think, labelled themselves the sole provider of uh, stationary uh, license plate readers installed at all land border crossings for privately owned vehicle traffic in the United States, Canada, and uh, also parts of Mexico. And uh, yeah, all this all this data has been dumped online. So. Yeah, a little bit of a shocker, they're, that they're, one. They're keeping quiet about what happened, but I, I always, with things like this, I always wonder, were they hacked? Or was it just, you know, an irate, uh, disenfranchised member of staff? Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, you know, you, you do wonder about political leanings as well. Yes, um, yeah. There may have been someone who really didn't like ICE. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, did they have access um, you know, all you needed was a USB drive. You're inside, mm, and mm. you download it all and mm, ship it out mm, that mm, way. Mm. Can happen. Doesn't necessarily mean that they, uh, yeah, that their that their network got got breached. Possibly it did. We don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's more than one way of being hacked. Is is uh, I think is is an important thing that we need to remember in this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's you know it's important to think about how how data gets stored who has access to that data uh, you know what sort of data loss prevention you know systems are, are in place but yeah something like this will uh, leave a lot of a lot of pain for uh, for a whole whole bunch of uh, people uh, especially the uh, investors and perceptors <laughs> of course it could also be that someone stored it on an S3 drive <laughs> Oops! Forgot to uh, <laughs> forgot forgot to lock it down lock in the down. first place. Yes, I mean it, it is worrying about some of these systems. I mean, if mm. I think back, mm. I remember when um, when two CD ROMs were lost on on the tube train in London mm. with lists of um, I think it was thousands of children um, that were you know being looked after by social services or you know there were tax records left on another occasion. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there was the incident not long ago where, where um, Chinese uh, facial recognition data made its way onto the on, right. onto the, the dark web. You know, and that apparently was because um, I can't remember what the database was, but it was the, I it think was there, left there, wide there, open. There, there was, yeah. There's yeah. certainly been some of that um, data which has been. Not, not well, not securely distributed yeah. in, in China. I recall you know, reviewing that one. So these things are on, ongoing issues, and they, you know, they impact all sorts of entities. And you know, no organisation is, uh, is is entirely safe. No. Now, a, a, um, a topic we've discussed a, f- a fair bit on the show is autonomous autonomous vehicles. And from time to time, a headline uh, pops up that attracts my attention 
that isn't about how great this technology is going to be or how perfect it is, uh, but about things that aren't so aren't so uh, positive. And so uh, when I saw in uh, Electric uh, Co a headline about a Tesla uh, autopilot suggesting a lane change into oncoming traffic, uh, I thought that's that's the sort of thing that we need we need to call out because you know there's great excitement about where the technology can go and where it can end up and you know of course uh, Tesla for instance is going to make a pretty good uh, pretty good noise about that um, but then there there is the flip side and whilst if the stats that we're told add up this you could compare to a human making a driving mistake and it's and it's going to happen the technology is is, we, is far from perfect we, right? we do live in a left-hand drive country that <laughs> some people have trouble with <laughs> that's true that's true um yeah so i just thought look we should mention it this technology is maybe not quite as far along as uh, as as some would like it to be now i know you have a, a quite a long uh commute about one one once a week yep Two and a half hours drive. Yeah. Um, so, do you have sort of thoughts of an autonomous vehicle that will uh, take oh, you on that journey, or do you would, do you and bliss. do you and do you enjoy having to be concentrated and focused on the on the on the drive? It's different because I think that drive um, because it's like it's a, it's a commute. I do it mm. twice twice a week. Mm. You know. Um, yeah, if I had an autonomous vehicle that did it for me that'd probably be lovely um but if i was going on a tiki tour you know that great new zealand tradition of you know drive out and go left um yeah i'd want to drive the car yeah yeah. there is we're lucky in new zealand we have good roads they're not massively busy you can enjoy driving them but you know and it's 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 an interesting one because i can i can do that drive and i'm not tired but if i drove that distance when i lived in the uk it was exhausting, you know, and I think a lot of that was down to the, the sheer stress of, and it, you know, the, there's so many other vehicles on the road that you're watching, um, you know, and the human mind can only track so many things. Um, so it gets tiring after a while. Um, yes, yes. I, I, I recall one particular nightmare drive in the UK. It was pre-GPS, um, which made it a made it a lot worse. I got <laughs> lo- lost lost in London. Uh, nightmare. Never, never anyway. fun. And you get stuck in a one way, and you're in the wrong lane on the left hand side. And yeah, uh, but um, no. I mean, I'm. Uh, I think autonomous vehicles. I think are actually are not a bad thing. I think they're a good thing. I think um, you know, I was I was watching a video recently where they they did an experiment on um, Phantom. Uh, roadblock phantom um, road jams I don't know if you've seen it I'll have to find a link for it and they basically got a load of cars to drive around the circle yep. and within seconds the all these cars that were evenly spaced were bunching up and spreading out yes, and it yeah. was it was you know because people will will put their foot down a little bit and they'll and then they'll back off and, and it, it, it rolls back and mm. you know you only have to be some poor person that has to commute in Auckland every day to kind of know that you know everything stops and then when you get up and it just starts moving again and you have no idea why but that's literally because someone put their brakes on and it rolls way back so yeah. that's one of the things i think autonomous vehicles would would actually help a lot of us get to work in a much better time frame um because we'd avoid a lot of that and you know algorithms could slowly factor in you know, as long merge, as everyone's the merge algorithm, the busy time. To, you know, as long as they follow some yeah. some standard, and we get the right bits and pieces. Yeah. What, what I, I think, what I was uh, what I was thinking about, uh, you know, when I read this was we have to remind ourselves that a, uh, on a regular basis online, for most people, you are going to come across one of those capture types of systems, right? That yep. it's getting you to prove you're human. Yeah. And you look at it. And it's saying which which one of these pictures or which of these pictures includes, for instance, traffic lights, cars, buses, uh, storefront. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really sound like very complicated stuff, does it? No. Yet the technology is not smart enough, and 
you know that's how that's how you prove you're human. Yeah. So you know when we get excited about where some of the things are going, we've got to realise. Yes, there are, there are some of the, these sorts of things that can be predicted well and pretty consistently, but there are some other aspects of how we see the world and how we think that are so, still some somewhat of a challenge for yeah. for technology. We're still a long way from from machines being able to make the kind of contextual connections that human minds make. I think there's a famous experiment Google did where it's a cyclist on a clipper on a stretch of road somewhere in the northwest of america and you know the the you you human mind or humans could see clips of this and actually build the rest of the picture really fast in fact some people actually knew where the stretch of road was and everything with with half of the picture missing you know and they would know it was a bicycle on a road and all these things but actually the the algorithm that the the machine learning would take almost the entire picture before it would know what it was right i mean that that will get better you know i mean and that's why that's why you're getting that's i think purely why google came up with the picture recapture was for the training you know there's um i'm a sci-fi fan i love sci-fi books um you know and there's a um there's a book called hyperion without giving anything away the whole thing is on the premise that um the ai is using humans and every human act reaction every human interaction is used for them to build out their, right, their right. neural network, oh. if you like. And, you know, sometimes Smart. I kind of feel like, you know, Douglas Adams would write. <laughs> We're just an experiment. Yeah. And somewhere there's some smart mice keeping an eye on us. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, now, there was, there's been a few things going on locally in New Zealand. We had a, uh, stuff reporting that a Nelson... A transport technology firm was sold for $45 million, Core Transport uh, Technologies, uh, based in, in Nelson since 2008. And, um, yeah, they've been picked up by U.S. Uh, or Cana- Canadian firm uh, Descartes. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, about yeah. $30 million U.S. US dollars. I think so, anyway. So, yeah, there's always, you know, there's always a bit of, uh, you know, uh, I guess you know, discussion about us selling our selling our businesses offshore. Look, I th- I I think you know ultimately there's a there's that aspect of capitalism. Someone builds something, they can they can sell it. Uh, that's money that hopefully sort of flows back into into our New Zealand economy. And look, in in a lot of cases, these. Uh, Sales still mean that there are people in New Zealand that are, that are operating and 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 running uh, running the firms or doing a lot of software development and so on. So uh, it's not it's certainly not all, not all bad, um, but it is it is it is nice when we see companies scaling and getting bigger oh. and and staying uh, in New Zealand as as well. And so you know that's uh, you know, I guess you look at the the the, um, the zeros and 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 push pays who. Uh, have you know have big strong operations locally? Mm-hmm. Um, although you know, of course, Zero made the call to uh, to delist from the New Zealand uh, stock exchange and have done <laughs> and have done very well since. Had to had had to. Uh, we ever forgive them? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know, hard to, hard to make a call on yeah. you know. W- how much were they being limited by being listed on the New Zealand Stock yeah. Exchange? How much did that sort of you know factor in? It would be an interesting uh, discussion to have uh, at, at some stage, possibly with with, with Rod Drew when we have him uh, back on the, on on the show. He's usually a pretty uh, uh, he's, he's he's pretty open with his opinions on 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 some of these things. So you know, I I, I think that they you know that was a very mindful decision, but you know they've gone from. Yeah, from strength to strength, um, I think that their share price has, has probably doubled over the uh, past couple couple of years without having any numbers and numbers in front of me. But uh, yeah, la- la- last I uh, last I looked, uh, their share price was around the the sixty dollar Australian figure, which you know, f- factoring in exchange rates and, uh, and 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 bits and pieces, it wasn't that long ago we were looking at a a share price of, of around thirty dollars. So, what was that? What was um, the last valuation? Uh, in fact, let's have a look. The last uh, 
So yeah, in the last year they've gone up by by fifty fifty uh, percent, and their market cap eight point six billion yeah. uh, Australian dollars. And yeah, they're uh, they're they're starting to uh, you know starting starting to. Um, uh, get on the get out of the red, uh, so you know they're they're making very very uh, very concerted uh, effort uh, uh, to to start you know becoming profitable, whilst not leaving leaving behind that uh, that that focus that under uh, Rod Drury's leadership of uh, of growing is at a at a at a rapid clip, mm-hmm. uh, and they continue to to do so and uh, you know growing growing very very well. So um, yeah, nice. To see these these things happening, and um, of course with push pay, which is not not quite the same scale as zero, uh, uh, but uh, Chris Heslip, who had on the uh, New Zealand uh, Business Podcast a while ago, uh, he's he's just stepped down. So you've had um, you know both the both co-founders uh, you know step back from the business, but uh, that's an, a, another business that's doing doing very well, and uh, and you know listed listed business as well. So um, you know hopefully. Both of those continue heading uh, heading in a in a good direction. We hope. We hope. We hope. So. Uh, and then there was the news about Vend uh, on a on a recruitment uh, spree at the moment for an opportunity in the states. Um, yeah, and I have a I have a little soft spot for for Vend. I mean, yeah. we, we were talking earlier, you know. Um, Many years ago, when I did do Twitter, and I got to know Vaughan while he was cycling. I don't know if anyone remembers it. He cycled the length of New Zealand. That's right. Um, yes. Raising raising uh, funds um, for for charity. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I was it was kind of watched watched him forming vendors an idea, and then the company and all the rest of it. And uh, it's always been a little, uh, yeah, one of those one of those companies I've always kind of had a soft spot for. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's great yeah. to see them hopefully on a growth path again. Well, it looks like it. They're, they're talking about an increase of uh, of headcount by about fifty percent across mm. the business, and you know, a huge amount of that sort of R and D and software uh, software development. Um, what was the stuff headline? Cloud software firm then goes on a hiring spree. spree as U.S. business booms, so yeah, there's uh, there's there's you know good good things afoot at uh, at Venn, and of course you know a pretty good chunk of those uh, those people will. Uh, be local, so uh, yeah, very, uh, very, yeah, very, was, very pleasing. About 50, 50 people of the the numbers they're saying mm. will be here in Auckland. Yeah, it's interesting coming back to that core um, company that that just sold for forty five million. Mm. There was that was a nice little story because they actually started the business when they were in the states, right? But then they moved back to the South Island. Yes. Um, and so most of the organization, according to the story I read, actually here in Nelson, and they're, 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 um, they've been taking on graduates and then training them up training and investing them up. in them yeah. um, and everything else. So, I, you know, and from reading the story, a lot of the reason that they've, they've gone through this sale was to give them the capability to actually scale, mm. um, which would indicate, hopefully, that a lot of the R&D that they've done will stay here in in New Zealand, well, I'd like to I'd like to think so, and, and it's great to see yeah, that capability building in, in New Zealand, uh, you know, continue to uh, increase. Now, a sale of uh, Vocus Group. Now, Vocus Group, you know, of, co- of course, uh, you know, big entity in Australia. Uh, they did look to try and sell up their uh, New Zealand end of the business. I think that would have been uh, la- last year, and you know that was uh, Core Plus and Orcon mm-hmm. and so on that they have uh, locally. Uh, that didn't happen, but now uh, it, it looks uh, looks quite likely that they will be uh, they will be sold. Uh, to a, uh, a, a a Swedish group, uh, EQT. Uh, so that's uh, yeah, that's quite a big a big uh, sale, and it seems to be at a reasonable uh, uh, step up on their current uh, current share price. So I don't know what that will mean for the New Zealand entities, uh, but of course 
I'm, I'm, I'm always quite keen on, uh, I guess, us seeing a fair bit of competition in these fields like internet <laughs> service providers. So, um, you know, I would, I would like to think that they will, uh, they'll, you know, continue putting this at least the same sort of level of effort into uh, into their local uh, local entities uh, here in New Zealand. Presuming that one, uh, that one goes ahead. Well, it's been. I mean, yeah, we, we've seen a lot of change in the competitive market in the. In New Zealand and around our telcos, um, I always, you know, I always sometimes laugh about the how suddenly when I think it was, was it Rod and some other uh, Sam from Sam from Trade Me, I forget his surname for a second. Um, Sam Morgan. Yeah, when they started talking about a another. Um, Undersea, Pacific fiber. the Pacific fibre, right. all of a sudden, undersea all, 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 cable to connect all, New Zealand to the rest of the world, and all of yeah. a sudden, Southern Cross could put different colours down the optics and increase the amount of bandwidth available. Yeah, and I was like, so you could have done that all along. You just needed the challenge to make you do it. You know, so you weren't, yeah, clearly weren't really serving New Zealand um, as your first customer priority. Um, you know, so, the, so, but you know, you could see the significant change. Um, yeah, and 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 you know, sometimes that yeah, that can come in all all sorts of all sorts of ways. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we, you know, where we've got since then, of course, is there's a lot more competition in terms of uh, connectivity between New Zealand and the rest of the world, and yep. uh, this this satellite offerings will will just add to that. And in fact, there was one thing that we we didn't mention uh, was uh, SpaceX with their uh, sixty internet satellites that were were put up last week which I thought is is pretty exciting. It's something we, we've talked about some way back and there have been other, other companies uh, doing this, uh, but they're Starlink uh, satellites now. Um, yeah, 60 of them have been uh, have been put up. I think they need to get to um, certainly north north of, of 100, I believe, before they can offer you know, too much in terms of and uh, in, in, in terms of service. Um, um, but they have, you know, they've been people are tracking them, uh, you know, flying over, and uh, yeah, they're uh, they're up there, but they need quite a sort of constellation of them, I suppose, mm-hmm. in, in order to start uh, start offering uh, service. Each one of them weighing two hundred and twenty seven kilos, which is is roughly, uh, and and I'm not going to go and you know uh, look up exact numbers, but. To me, that sounds like roughly what Rocket Lab would usually put up would be say one. You know, it could fire one of those up, and yep. it just it just shows you the the scale of what can be done. Um, you know, what SpaceX are actually able to launch, and it sounds like they did some some quite innovative work to be able to pack uh, well, it's, six, it's, sixty it's, of these uh, things in and and to and to launch them. So, yeah, a bit more work to be done, but this this in, will in just a add to context, the competition. That's about, that's about four people. Yeah. Um, in a car, yeah, and thrown into orbit, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> pretty, uh, pre- pretty impressive. So uh, apparently, they need eight hundred Starlink satellites to gain their sort of, uh, you know, full functionality, and uh, something like a, th- a thousand of them to get to the the, the right level of uh, economic uh, via- viability. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're aiming, I think, ultimately for maybe twelve thousand of them. So that's a that's a lot of launches and a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But I think some reflection of how good they expect this technology to be. It'll all be gonna, you know, if you if you add add up the cost of that sort of number of launches and how all of that's going to tie together, they've got to be selling a lot of internet connectivity to a lot of people mm-hmm. in a lot of a lot of places around the world. So they're obviously uh, yeah, have have a huge amount of confidence and just how competitive their uh, their offering is is going to uh, be once it's in yeah, place. It'd be, be interesting to see what the um, the upload speeds are. On that one, because that's you know that's always been the issue with uh, with satellites. Yeah, you, know, you can pull stuff down, but you just can't send anything. Back yeah, that yeah, way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that you know there being a, a, a low Earth uh, Earth orbit mm-hmm. and. 
the yeah some of the speeds I saw bandied around and I can't uh, can't lay my lay my um, mouse on any of them at the moment but it sounds like this is this is on a different sort of uh, you know uh, a different sort of speed mm-hmm. level than what certainly what we've been used to in the past and of course these things keep getting better and better as we see in some of the uh, Airlines where we're getting on board Wi-Fi that's actually yep. pretty, uh, uh, pretty, pretty reasonable, right? So um, yeah, so we will uh, we we will see. I'm just having a look to see here if any, anything is jumping uh, jumping out. So yeah, there's a reference here that it, that it may be um, you know two years away before their service uh, is is actually uh, yeah. Op- fully operational or, or you know operational uh, in at, at some sort of uh, scale so uh, yeah do uh, we know if um, Google are investing in it at all because I mean it, it just sounds like they're the other three billion project that they kicked off you know um, which was how do you how do you reach all of those people that don't have internet access mm-hmm. and, you know when your business is based on people having internet access, <laughs> well, I think I think you we're going to we're going to see a, a whole bunch of different you know entities that are uh, you know competing to varying varying degrees. So there's a bunch of others that are going to uh, looking to put you know satellites up in that sort of you know 500 kilometer or so um, range. There, uh, yeah, I guess Google have have got varying things. Facebook of you know are doing things. Some of it may come down to who you trust but ultimately you know price is a is a big part isn't it for for people although when when facebook tried to offer a level of free internet in in india i know uh because they it wasn't just complete open slather they were they were controlling it was it. A, it was a walled garden yeah there was yeah. a there was a huge amount of pushback right mm-hmm. so uh yeah yeah it, it kind of yeah i remember reading about it thinking well hang on we, we're just going backwards here because that was the very thing that steve jobs was so uh emphatic about breaking when he was doing the deals with all the all the um, telcos in the states. Mm. Yeah, you're not putting a walled garden on this. It's yeah, people can go wherever they want on the iPhone. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, one one thing I read was suggesting uh, uh, latency, sort of you know ra- round trip latency of bet- uh, below a hundred milliseconds. So uh, maybe you know somewhere between fifty and a hundred milliseconds. So mm-hmm. not the same sort of delays that a lot you know a lot of satellite communications have been, which are uh, you know ten times that maybe a, yeah. you know a second one second sort of round trip. Which you know, if you're trying to do a, a voice call over the internet or a video <laughs> call, that uh, not not such a smooth experience. Um, but p- potentially hitting. Uh, as far as 10 gigabits per second in terms of uh, throughput. So, you know, if if they could offer 10 gigabit upload or download speeds and um, yeah, reason, that reasonably low latency and they can offer it for uh, lower than existing providers, there would be, uh, be, would be a, a lot of space for them. Yep, Australia would probably be one to target, actually, yep, yep. where uh, their internet is so rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, well, sorry, still, sorry for still, anyone listening no, from no. Australia who's who's te- tearing their hair out with their connection. But you know, look, at least in a couple a few, of years, I think maybe a few residents in Auckland <laughs> that would probably sign up as well. <laughs> I, I, I mean, of, of course, we, you know, we don't, and that, and that's you know, I guess what's exciting about satellite satellite based internet, you know, coming is mm-hmm. if it can fill in those gaps. Of course, it's best to have fibre from. Point you know point to point, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the ultra fast broadband uh, initiative has delivered you know great speeds to many New Zealand homes and businesses, but it's not going to cater to every every scenario. Certainly not going to work for your uh, your boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea of something satellite based. Uh, is probably a good fit for those with with boats, and of course, yeah. with a lot of boaties in New Zealand. It's a lot of boaties. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind kind of kind of cool, kind of cool. Uh, it'll be an interesting one to, to watch. Um, yeah, yeah. And see where it goes. I think I think their main market probably won't be um, 
countries like us. It'll be Africa and, and other parts of Asia where the reach just isn't existing now. I want It'll it to be countries like ours so we get we get, get some better. some competition. Ah, well, that's always good. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so they can test it out on us. Can't we'll they? see. You know, I guess yeah. they can offer unique and different different offerings into into different markets, right? So mm-hmm. um, that they might sell an offering into the New Zealand market at a lower price than than they would into into some others. Uh, I would yeah, I would like to think that in in the likes of Africa that they would help connect up a lot more people and, yeah. and be offering much lower lower prices than they would need to offer in our market, you know, similar for Pacific Islands and, and other areas well, you where think about it, some we need the, better connectivity. Some of those countries, have, um, their internet is limited to their mobile network, mm. you mm. know, because um, they never, they didn't build the, the physical infrastructure yeah. That, yeah. That, that we have, you know. Um, they went straight to mobile. Um, it's funny because I was just thinking that um, you know I can I can actually remember being on a transatlantic phone call <laughs> between the UK and Canada and waiting. You know you have to you, you have to do this wait for the for the other, which sounds ridiculous to people nowadays. You know it's so instantaneous that yeah when you were on a physical line and your call was going down the transatlantic cable, yeah. there was latency. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, now, I'm wondering, you know, before we finish up, are there any sort of interesting learnings or, or projects that have, uh, you know, you, you've found interesting to talk about recently? I know, you know, you uh, um, are a bit of a thought leader in this uh, technology space. I don't know if people would agree with that uh, one, but um, well, I, I, I mean, one of my things at the moment, I think, is... is um, you know, we talked about security a little bit earlier. Is is um, the whole uh, improving the quality of software delivery? Mm, mm. Um, you know, DevOps. Um, people talk about DevSecOps. I'm afraid I'm mm. I'm quite outspoken. There is no such thing as DevSecOps. There is DevOps. DevOps includes security. I actually found a blog post recently where someone admitted that DevSecOps was a. They came up with it as a marketing term to encourage the security guys to come to the DevOps conference, <laughs> um, which I thought was really lovely. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, you know, I'm known for being a huge advocate of agile mm. delivery um, yeah. and DevOps. Um, I think I'm known anyway. Um, but yeah, th- I think that's one of the things is is um, you know from a software delivery perspective, I think there's a lot of companies that when you look at the types and we've mentioned them, Vend, Zero, Push Pay, we've got loads of others. They are first and foremost they are software companies, and they understand that it's in the genes. It's, mm. it's you know it's it's the way they're built. The delivery of software is is, is essential to how these organisations work. I think the challenge we face is that so many other organizations, and it's interesting that I actually see the utility companies, the telcos, and I'm currently working with a large supermarket chain that's also going through this this change of thought um, where, you know, you've got these companies that are slowly coming to realize that a huge chunk of how they interact with their customers is software and that they need to get better at how they do that. So, um, you know, to, to um, paraphrase John um, Wills when uh, we were the DevOps talks you know when they actually understand they're a software company and he was talking about banks that make this and they're, they're again in New Zealand we look at Westpac and BNZ and ASB um, and ANZ all of them essentially you know they're making this transition um, you know under the auspices of digital um, but I think some companies are not quite getting it and they're still treating software delivery as this thing that happens in IT um, and is just, you know, a project-based um, mechanism, etc. And they're not investing really in the delivery mechanisms. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, that's del- a big, big challenge. It's a big challenge, isn't it? Because yeah. if that if that mindset does, doesn't change, then yeah. they, they get left you, behind and, 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 you, and you can't get, be competitive. They you know, lose the lose the confidence of their their existing customers. Um, Comes back to to Sony. I'm, I do wonder yeah. if that's part of the deal with with Microsoft is to mm. take care of some of that pain. Mm. And it, it is. I mean, it's, for me, it's you know, too often 
um, companies bolt on security at the end of, of a software delivery cycle mm. instead of factoring in at the very beginning. And that's that's why I come back to, you know, this notion of DevSecOps. Like, no, DevOps is about delivering software. It's about breaking down barriers to delivering software. So um, it's not just about the engineering, you know, automation and everything else. It's about the whole flow of how you deliver that software. And that includes security right at the beginning um, you know, threat modeling. Mm. What, what are the risks that, that this small incremental change we could face? And if you're doing it at that scale, it's much easier to actually build it in instead of missing something later like, yeah, well, we never patched. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it, and it's, it's, it's looking for efficiencies in, in how do we, automation is about the efficiencies and let's not keep repeating that. When I was at NZME, um, we, we built um, a test framework, um, which is now being open sourced. Um, and that was brilliant for the teams because actually it, it enabled developers to start actually testing as well. Um, and that was a bit of the transition that I took the team through was moving from testers being there to do the testing to becoming quality engineers, which was the title we came up with. Yeah, because yeah. they weren't there to do the testing. They were there to think about how we test and what we test not do the testing all the time and automation of testing removes a lot of that, that so that's mm. that's an efficiency gain yeah. but i think a lot of places get very confused between efficiency and productivity and productivity is when you're delivering good things to your customers you know um that's not necessarily the same thing as efficiency yeah, yeah. Um, efficiency is not repeating the same manual task over and over <laughs> um yeah, and you can keep efficiencies at scale, but still not productivity. Yeah, yeah. Um, productivity is fixing the problem, solving it at the, at the outset um, in a sensible and um, smart way. So, yeah, I think I think there is a little bit of a change. I think some companies have gone on that journey. Um, you know, in the agile world, we talk a lot about autonomy, but sometimes people are not quite sure what that means, and it means literally moving the decision to the people who are best informed to make the decision. Um, and if that's down in the smallest place possible, that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you know, we look at some of these cases where companies got hacked and you wonder who made the decision. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> you know, you do. who decided not to, not, to, not, to, um, not to patch that server, you know? And I've seen companies where, you know, and you've seen it as well. I mean, you know, when you're doing an audit, you've gone in and it's like someone had a rationale for why they didn't upgrade that framework two years ago. Um, yeah, you know that's just putting yourself at a huge risk. Mm, mm. Um, so yeah, so it's, that's a thing I'm, I'm a little bit passionate about. Probably yeah, guessed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's good. Well, it's been uh, it's been great to have you on the show. I, I hope we'll uh, we'll find an opportunity to do it again at some at some stage. That that's been be, good uh, fun. Thank you. Great. Yeah. All right. So, Andrew, if people are, are wanting to track you down, what's the best way to to get in touch? It's actually probably LinkedIn. I'm afraid yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm not a fan of Facebook. Uh, years ago, I came to the conclusion. That sadly, I, I think I've been proven right that there would be three internets: Facebook, China, and the rest. Um, and I've never been a, a fan of of, um, of Facebook. Um, LinkedIn's kind of where I, I spend most of my time. And like I said earlier, I kind of abandoned Twitter when it just got yeah, it, it just got too noisy. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I gotta say, I don't spend as much time on 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 Twitter as I as I used to, and yeah, it's it's hard, hard to find the time, I guess, for all of all of these different channels as well. So it's good to to find a, a, a place and and LinkedIn has, has certainly yeah become a much richer um, platform, you know, over over the last couple couple of years. Than, uh, I think than, than I think what, a little bit of it is I like I'm I'm keen on having um, real conversations with mm. real people. Mm. Um, what I mean by that is I, I make a conscious effort to, you know, to have a real conversation with everybody I link with on LinkedIn. Um, and I'd prefer to have real conversations like this or over coffee with, with people, you know, and, um, and I just find it more meaningful. And I think that's, to me, that's a little bit of a problem that we've got, especially on social media platforms. There's a lot of, people talk about the echo chamber and everything, but there's a lot of virtue signaling going on. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, a lot of people that are, you know, say they're doing great things, green things, 
probably not really. Yeah. You know, yeah. that sounds a little bit judgmental on my part, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very easy to say these things. You know, are you actually out there doing anything about it? Yeah, there, there, I mean, there's a level with digital channels to be to be able to use them as a as something of a public relations exercise yeah. to to try and paint a paint a picture isn't of it? yourself, the, yeah. the way you want to be perceived rather yeah. than yeah. how you are. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that's where I I, I enjoy podcasting, the, the video side of things where you can use these these platforms for yeah, bit of reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, thanks again. Uh, now, we'll encourage, if you're listening and you haven't filled out our survey at nztechpodcast.com slash survey, please stop whatever you're doing. If you've got your two hands on the uh, steering wheel, then, uh, yeah, you, you probably just uh, stay, stay safe. But uh, if you are in a position to be able to respond to our survey, that would that would be appreciated as we go through a, a rethink of, uh, of what the New Zealand Tech Podcast should be. Uh, your your feedback will be very much appreciated. And look, it, it's it has uh, been very helpful so far the last few weeks with the feedback that's been coming through. I think we've probably break, broken the rules again this week with how long the episode has been. Uh, so so some of that feedback uh, is is definitely going to be taken. Well, the feedback will be taken seriously. How you know comments, big and small, they will all be all be read, uh, and that will be taken into account as we, we make some changes. Just to uh, to the show uh, over the over the next little while. All right. Well, thanks everyone. We'll catch you again next week. Uh, you can track me down on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, um, or anywhere anywhere else you can find me. But uh, those ones, Paul Spain, on those getting worse on the, now on, the, on, the, on those <laughs> channels. So, uh, there are so yeah. many other channels popping up now. It's, it's uh, like, oh, where do I go? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's where where I am. So thanks, everyone. We'll catch you again next week. All right. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.